The Young and Healthy Podcast. You're listening to the Cincinnati Children's Young and Healthy Podcast. Welcome to the Cincinnati Children's Young and Healthy Podcast. My name is Bo McMillan, and I will be your gracious host for this episode. Today, we're going to be talking about sudden cardiac arrest in children. And to help us understand this topic better, I'm joined by Dr. Adam Powell, pediatric cardiologist, and Brenda Williams, registered nurse in the Heart Institute and Simulation here at Cincinnati Children's. How are you two doing today? Doing great. Good. Thanks for having us, Bo. Absolutely. This is such an important topic. I know it's one that in the last few years has been in the news. Um, it's something good to call attention to, but I know also something that can be you know, pretty scary to parents. Um, sudden cardiac arrest by their name are things that happen quickly and, and sometimes out of the blue. Um, so we really appreciate your expertise to try to just help parents understand maybe what to look out for, but particularly what to do in the case of something like that happening. So I think I just want to start off with a basic definition. I think when, when we hear cardiac arrest, we have an idea of what that is. But in, from a medical perspective, what's happening with the heart? What is a cardiac arrest? So, I mean, thanks again for having us. I mean, this is super important and super terrifying. And, and hopefully we can kind of talk a little bit more about it and kind of, you know, help people understand this a little bit better, especially what to do and, and where to go if something happens. So sudden cardiac arrest is what we normally talk about with younger people who have a heart problem that causes them to uh, fall down and, and, and have an event. Uh, it's different than someone who has say, a heart attack or something in older age. You know, an older person typically has uh, a cardiac event. It's a heart attack. It's to do with a blockage in their coronary arteries, and the, the heart's not able to have enough oxygen delivered to the muscle. In a younger person, sudden cardiac arrest is most normally, uh, most likely an arrhythmia. Some irregular heartbeat, some sort of irregular rhythm that doesn't allow the heart to pump blood very well, and then that causes not enough oxygen to be delivered to the heart, not enough oxygen to be delivered to the brain, and then the person becomes unconscious and unresponsive. And is this common amongst kids? Is this something that you see frequently as a doctor? Thankfully, no. Thankfully, sudden cardiac arrest in, in otherwise young, healthy kids is in children and young adults is very uncommon. The problem is, you know, when it does happen, it's terrifying and it's traumatizing and, and it tends to be well known. Um, just kind of thinking of some, you know, couple cases recently, you have DeMar Hamlin from the Monday Night Football game, but also more recently when Bronnie James had his sudden cardiac arrest uh, in the gym at University of Southern California. And he was, you know, 18 or so years old. And, and so thankfully it's uncommon, but when it is present it's it's terrifying mm -hmm. yeah and I you know I think so often when we think of any kind of heart related issue we tend to think of older populations right and so whenever you hear it happen with someone younger it feels like there's there's something wrong and I know it can be really easy to immediately go to well what's the cause what could have done it but even in your examples you mentioned two athletes is this more common in athletes than non-athletes so I, I think the sudden cardiac arrest can happen in, in a lot of different people, and there are some populations that are more high risk and more likely to happen. But I think the important thing to remember is it can potentially happen to everybody. And so if you're not in one of these populations, that doesn't mean 
you shouldn't think it can never happen to you. But unfortunately, it is more common in athletes, particularly highly trained, highly conditioned athletes, varsity level athletes, college professional level athletes, particularly basketball players, for whatever reason, seems to be a, a higher risk sport, as well as football, soccer, and ice hockey. And it does tend to happen more in male athletes mm -hmm. than, than female athletes. Having said that, there are examples of female athletes, even female non-basketball players having events like this. And so I think it's really important to have regular medical care, regular screening with your pediatrician, and good relationships with your pediatrician, the athletic trainers, the coaches. Yeah, I, I think that's such an important uh, message for parents. I, again, going back to just the nature of this being a sudden cardiac arrest, I mean, are there ever warning signs? Is is this I, I, some of the higher profile ones? I mean, Demar Hamlin again. You know, we saw that on the field. That was a, an impact, right? We can point to that. But in a lot of these cases, it it seems like it just happens. Are there warning signs that parents can look out for? I think that's the hard part. Is that oftentimes there are no warning signs, mm -hmm. and so we can do a really good job, and we can see our pediatrician, and and you know have a normal exam, and 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 even have normal testing. And that doesn't necessarily predict whether this will happen or not. Mm -hmm. um, just kind of thinking of another high-profile athlete, University of Florida basketball player Keonti Johnson back in November 2022, the entire time was on film. He left a timeout. He took four or five steps after the timeout. And on the fourth step, you could tell he was dizzy. On the fifth step, he collapsed to the ground and had sudden cardiac arrest. And, and there was really nothing at all uh, in that game or anything to predict that it would happen. And so I think we'll kind of talk about this later in this talk, but I think it kind of foreshadows the importance of having, you know, really strong cardiac response plans, you know, people that are trained in, in basic CPR, basic life support. And then the, the critically important piece is an AED present mm -hmm. at sporting events and athletic events, those high risk, uh, those high risk things. Now, having said that, there are certain people that, you know, or high risk of, of sudden cardiac arrest. And the pediatrician and, and the sports medicine physician and the cardiologist can help to identify them. Particularly those athletes, those young children who have chest pain that's only during exercise, or they pass out only during exercise. Those are concerning symptoms. I think if a child has that, if a young athlete has that, a young adult has that, they should absolutely talk to their physician and maybe even see a cardiologist. Mm. I think another concerning uh, piece of the history is a, a family history of cardiac disease. Mm. Oftentimes the really scary, bad heart diseases that can cause sudden cardiac arrest are genetic. And so for instance, if you have you know, multiple family members, parents, siblings, grandparents who have cardiomyopathy, such as hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is a, is a really concerning finding, then they should probably speak to their physician. If they have multiple family members who have any kind of what we call an arrhythmia disease, something like long QT syndrome, something like vin inherited ventricular tachycardia, Brugada syndrome, there's a, a, lot, a whole host of, of longer names like that, but if there's a family member who's regularly seeing a cardiologist for an arrhythmia that they say it could potentially be genetic, they should bring that up with their physician. Hmm. Um, and, and then maybe they would need to see even a cardiologist after that talk. And I would even um, add on to that, like I know <clears throat> nationwide, um, you know, pretty much everybody when they when they play sports, they have to do that pre-performance physical exam. Mm -hmm. You know, they have to do their yearly exam. Um, and I know sometimes um, 
uh, people are like, I, you know, it's, it's really hard to get the pediatrician. So they just, you know, they, they just want to make it a rush thing. And I think like Adam was saying, having that connection with your pediatrician, because some of those exam forms don't always include those questions that Adam was talking about. Like, do you have a history? Have you ever passed out while playing a sport? Like, those are things you don't want to panic, but at the same time, you want to make sure you have the conversation with the pediatrician. Like, you know, he did pass out the last time he was running laps or something. And, you know, and it could be as simple he was dehydrated, but you don't want to make that assumption. You want to make sure that you have, you've talked to your pediatrician and and make sure that exam that they're using is actually thorough to help you try to potentially identify something. But again, like he said, sometimes those screenings aren't going to catch everything. So the being aware of what it looks like and how you respond to it is going to be a key to, you know, making sure you don't have a bad outcome from that. And, and then just to kind of piggyback on Brenda again, the um, there is a, a very big difference in passing out because of sudden cardiac arrest or a heart problem mm. and passing out because you stood up too quickly sure, yeah. or you're dehydrated or you're ill. If anybody watched Demar Hamlin in that Monday Night Football game or saw Keontae Johnson uh, in that University of Florida football game, when they fell, that was really terrifying, and, and they fell without any regard for their safety, and you could tell they were unconscious even before they fell, as opposed to kind of the more common causes of passing out, such as if you stand up too quick or if you're standing up for a long period of time, you're standing up giving a presentation in front of the class, it's a hot day outside and mowing the grass. Those things are a little bit less concerning than someone who passes out suddenly during exercise without warning, without dizziness, without blurred vision, just run, 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 pass out. Mm. That's more concerning. And that's, that's really the high risk thing that uh, you should talk to your physician about. Well, one thing that I, um, in, in hosting this podcast, but then also listening to it, I feel like something we continually come back to is this idea of just Having a pediatrician that you see regularly and having a good relationship, making sure that pediatrician knows your child, has an idea of what could be out of the ordinary. And so I really like that that's a big part of your messaging, um, you know, especially when it comes to sports physicals. And, and Brenda, you had mentioned, because my next question was going to be, you know, do you go to your pediatrician and ask for all these tests or scans or anything? But to, to your point, they those might not even catch something. Right. So, um, I mean, I can tell you a story about my son. Mm -hmm. Like, in t um, actually, we were just talking, um, it was eight years ago today that he actually had a sudden cardiac arrest. Um, and previous to that, a couple months before that, he was playing soccer, and I didn't see it. I was up in the parking lot, and he had was what I was told, quote, passed out. Mm -hmm. um, and they came and got me, and it was funny. They were more concerned. They're like, he didn't break an arm or anything. And I'm like, okay, well, Big scheme of thing. That's probably wasn't the the most concerned. But when I get down there, um, I found out later he just sort of collapsed. Mm. He they said they later told me he was kind of gasping and breathing funny. Um, those are some you know symptoms that you know could have shown that that was probably a cardiac arrest that luckily he came out of. But we went you know to the emergency room and did some testing and you know he had some later follow up. Those screenings really didn't show anything per se that hmm. said. Hmm. You know, maybe just keep an eye on him and stuff like that. But like, he's still okay to go to you know play sports and stuff. Um, so we felt comfortable, you know. But I, to a point that you know, both my husband and I made sure we were at every single practice or every single game. And so, but then, like I said, two months later, he still had a he still had an event. He still has sudden cardiac arrest. And we later found out it was a genetic thing that just wasn't going to necessarily be picked up on those screenings. So, and the challenge is 
to get everybody to have those screenings. And you can, and Adam can talk to this a little bit too. You can have false positives, you can have false negatives. So um, that's why a lot of what we focus on when we get into talking about Project Adam is what he had mentioned about having emergency response plan, being aware of what it looks like and things like that. So you can, you know, if it happens, you're prepared to respond to it. And I, I think that's a really good transition. I, I want to talk about Project Adam because it's such an important thing that the two of you and, and your colleagues are doing here through Cincinnati Children's. Um, and it hits on what we talked about before, where that response to a cardiac arrest is really so critical, right? I mean, it's seconds that count, you know, when, when that happens. And Brenda, you you mentioned it a little bit, but, you know, you have this this close story with your family. Um how important was the response to your son's collapse? And then what should parents know in general if they you know, are around a, someone who has had a cardiac arrest? Well, it was, I mean, it was huge. Luckily, or ironically, at the, around the same, before my son had his cardiac arrest, um, when I was going back to school for my master's degree, my project, uh, community project was sudden cardiac arrest in young athletes. So my husband, my, you know, my other daughters and stuff had heard about, you know, knowing how to do CPR and just looking around to see where there's AEDs and things like that. And can you tell us what an AED is? Yeah. So AED is a machine that's out in the, in the communities. You've probably seen them like in airports and malls. And it's a device that ha- you you can turn on and it has pads on it. And what it does is it sends an electrical shock to the heart to kind of smack. I, I The way I teach is it smacks the heart out of its bad rhythm and, and resets it to a good rhythm. Yeah. Um, and so th- that's a key piece of people with sudden cardiac arrest to have that um accessible. And so in, you know, my son's case, um, my husband started CPR. There was another dad there that knew CPR. There was an AED on site that the trainer got and brought over, which was used on him. And, you know, he got a shock and we have the tracings of showing his, the abnormal rhythm that Adam had talked about. And then boom, you see the shock and then you see he's back to a normal rhythm. Um, and the fact that they saw him collapse, they started CPR immediately and had that AED on within a few minutes is what saved him. Like by the time I got to the field or to the hospital, um, cause I was at my daughter's soccer game at the time while my husband was at my son's soccer game. Um, by the time we got to the hospital, like I got in and, um, and he was like, Kyle was looking at me. He was talking to me. I mean, he was not fully awake, but he was clearly there. Mm-hmm. And within a couple of hours, by the time I got to the cardiac ICU here at children's, I mean, he was looking at me, talking to me, he was fully aware of what was happening. So just that that time frame to get CPR started and get an AED on, um, and it's an awesome device because it'll tell you whether it needs to shock or not. It'll put you on. It'll say no shock, advise, continue CPR. You know, and it gives you prompts like make sure you call EMS, those kind of things. Or it'll say shock advised, and it tells you it says hit the orange button, mm-hmm. like don't touch them. Hit the orange button, then it'll give you all those kind of prompts. I, I think that's so important. So you don't you don't need to have training to use an AED, right? It, it will actually walk you through it. So if you know where one is and you have access to it, it just about anyone could use one, right? Oh, yeah, correct. The first thing we always say is turn it on, and then it's going to tell you exactly what to do. Yeah. And it'll tell you if you're doing something incorrectly. And so if you don't plug in the pads correctly, if you put them in the wrong place, it'll tell you not to do it. If you think you should shock them, but the machine knows you shouldn't, it will not, it'll not deliver a shock if it knows it's incorrect. So what else should parents know in the event of a cardiac arrest? So knowing where AEDs are, I know I've heard from both of you before you go places and the two of you are kind of conditioned to look around to see where the nearest AED is. So that's that's probably a good first step. What else should parents know? 
I think it's important to know just kind of basic CPR, basic life support. And the American Heart Association has really done a really good job of simplifying CPR a lot. In that in the old days, you used to give rescue breaths as well as doing chest compressions. And it was always complicated. Oh, how many breaths do you give? How many compressions do you give? How do you combo things? Now the American Heart Association is going much more to hands-only CPR, in which if you find someone unconscious on the ground and and they're not breathing, they're not responding to, to if you touch them and ask them how they're doing, then you start with just chest compressions. And so I think being comfortable with basic CPR, basic chest compressions, and as well as knowing what AED can be quite helpful in these situations. Yeah, and that's, I would just reiterate that, like the hands only, it's like, you know, we say push hard, push fast, you know, just, and, and I know people sometimes are concerned about starting CPR that somebody, you know, you're like, I don't know if they need it or not. You know, what we've kind of said is like, if somebody needs CPR and you don't do it, it's going to hurt them. But if you do CPR and somebody doesn't need it, it's not going to hurt them. Per se. <laughs> you know, like the, yeah, the risk benefit kind of of that is, you know, um, you would like to be able to do something because usually if somebody doesn't see, need CPR at some point, they're going to get up and start like hitting you mm. or like responding or wiggling around or something like that. So, And I think the, um, the, the really nice part about Brenda's story is that, you know, her son was largely saved by, you know, his dad who's not medical. And, you know, he's not a medical provider. He has no medical training, but he knew CPR. And so you don't have to be medical. You don't have to be a physician or a nurse to know how to do it. It's just a, a basic life-saving skill that really anybody can know. I love that. And I think that circles back really well with Project Adam, which is one of my favorite things I think I've gotten to uh, be a small part of and working on here at Cincinnati Children's. Tell us a little bit more about this why it's important, what you're doing, and, and again, just how it ties into being prepared in the events of one of these. So um, Project Adam actually started back in 1999 with the Lemo family. Um, their son, Adam, had a event, cardiac arrest, um, while he's playing basketball. Um, they There was CPR that started on him. Unfortunately, there was not a defibrillator around, an AED, for them to use on him, and unfortunately, he passed away. So they had been working with, they decided to reach out to Children's Hospital of Wisconsin and say, you know, how, how, do we let, how do we fix this so this doesn't happen again? How do we make sure that this isn't going to happen to another family? And so they created this project where, you know, we go into schools and now we've expanded to organizations and clubs and things like that to ensure that whoever, wherever you're at, that they can identify a cardiac arrest. They have enough people that know CPR. They have the emergency response plans. Um, which we can, you know, even go into a little bit more. But I think what's really cool is, you know, what started in 1999 in just one little town and one one hospital is now. I just looked up the um, the stats and we're in the Project Adams now is in 31 states wow. and there are 40 program affiliates. So like we're an affiliate of it. So like Ohio actually has three. We have us, which is Greater Cincinnati, and we have Columbus and Cleveland. Um, so you know, depending on how big your state is, you might have a couple in there. But like just the fact that it's spread, and I know the Lemo family is on, um, is still involved with Project Adam. And so like when we have group emails, the the father or the brother and stuff, they'll reply and just you know they're just in awe at like the passion that we have as well as them to continue to prevent this from happening. And obviously that's where my involvement came in because for some reason I was lucky enough that my, you know, my son survived this. And so I'm like, it can be done. And, and I want to make sure everybody, I want people to have the better, best chance of success like my son had. And so 
you know, to take tragedy as one thing, you know, but to take something good and still continue to give, yeah. you know, give back is just such an important thing. And so um, that's where, you know, where Project Adam came in. And that's, you know, and like I said, a lot of the people on our team, we have nurse practitioners from the, you know, Heart Institute. We have physicians from the Heart Institute. Um, we've got a physical therapist. You know, we've got people that just have seen the effects and they want to make a difference. I think that's the nice thing, too, about Project Adam is that it helps, you know, in through Brenda's story, through stories of saves from other Project Adam affiliates, you know, if you have uh, a solid emergency response plan, if you have access to AEDs, you know, you can, you know, save a life. I mean, you can help that child that has sudden cardiac arrest. I mean, just last week we had an affiliate that they just was certified, they just certified school as being heart safe. And the very next day, one of the chi- one of the children accidentally, uh, unfortunately, had sudden cardiac arrest wow. and had a save. And so it's nice. I mean, the mission of Project Adam is amazing, but what's even more amazing is the fact that it helps and it actually works. Yeah, that's um, what an incredible story. What a, what an incredible thing to point to to see it helping so quickly. So when you when you go into these schools, you've mentioned a couple of these uh, already, but when you go into these schools high level, what are some things that you are trying to instill to, to identify them as a heart safe school? What do you tell them needs to be in place? So it's, it's more than just, do you have an AED? I think physically having an AED is, is vitally important, but it's more, where is the AED located? Is it located to help the most people possible? Is there proper signage for where the AEDs are located? Meaning if I am a guest, my child has a basketball game in that gym and I'm not familiar with your school grounds. Can I find the AED as a visitor when I'm not familiar with the layout of the school? You know, are there appropriate cardiac response plans? So in the event of an unfortunate sudden cardiac arrest, do the people in the school know what to do? Do they know who to call? Do they know what doors to access? Do they know not just what the AED is, but but other potentially life-saving things are? And it's really... We go through the weeds, we go through the nuance to try to develop and find holes in their in their current cardiac response plans to correct them. So then the event of one of these unfortunate situations, you know, we're doing the best that we can to predict and make less chaotic the naturally chaotic thing that is sudden cardiac arrest. Yeah, and I would add the one thing we haven't mentioned, which obviously is going to be key is calling 911, you know, through this, like Absolutely. being in, 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 in the moments there have been stories that, you know, you hear about people that, um, there was, there were some stories where they started CPR and stuff, but just in the panic, nobody actually activated EMS. And so that's a big part of it is calling 911 early too, to get them there. Cause you know, especially if it happens in school or organization or a soccer field or something like that, like, and you're not a medical provider, you want somebody that is a medical mm-hmm. provider there as soon as possible. So remembering and being very clear, and that's what the emergency response plans too, it'll say, you know, the administrator, the office staff is going to call 911 and the principal is going to do this. And we try to help it make it a little bit more defined so that, because we have found like when you say, can somebody do it? Everybody kind of looks around and hopes the other person mm-hmm. is the somebody. So just helping them be very clear on those kind of things. And the other part of it is we do we go out and do education about sudden cardiac arrest and, and talk about these things. And and I think the challenge that and even Adam kind of mentioned a little bit too was like what does a sudden cardiac arrest look like? Um, and that like because sometimes as they collapse, you know, uh, we've had it where people are like they start having what looks like a seizure, which technically kind of is, um, because they're not getting oxygen to their brain. And so sometimes they're like, oh, he's having a seizure. But it's the, if he, like Adam said, if it's a quick boom, just drop and collapse, 
you're going to assume more it's the cardiac arrest or something like that. So we just kind of tell them what to be looking for and um, just understand how how it can present so that they can be more comfortable going up and going, oh, I'm pretty sure this is what this is and be able to respond. Mm. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think that's such an important cautionary tale about you know, starting CPR, but nobody calling 911. Because to be honest, it's really easy to sit here in this podcast room when we're all fine and talk about, okay, here's what we do if, um, you know, we suspect a cardiac arrest. It's a completely different story when you're in the moment, you have that adrenaline going in the panic. And to be able to have that plan second nature, because you've drilled it, because you've learned it is so key. So I think the work that you two are doing is so critical uh, for the kids in this area. Um, as we wrap up, is there anything I've missed that, that you think parents should know? I mean, I think just to kind of summarize some more of a project, Adam, we are working with several schools in the local community. We've had several complete all the Project Adam training, and so they're certified heart safe. We have several that are really close. Um, we have the information on the Cincinnati Children's website if someone's interested in talking to their school, if, if, if they would like to work with us a little bit more to uh, try to formalize and and, and work with us on, on some of these sudden cardiac arrest p- safety plans. And the other thing, too, is everybody in the Project Adam team, we're all volunteers, we're all parents and friends, and we live in the community, and, and we're truly doing this because we love where we live, we love Cincinnati, and, and we want to keep the kids safe. And so this is all just us trying our best to offer our time and our expertise to you know, help our schools, help our communities. Yeah, and the only other thing I would think I would add is like, you know, as we said, we work with schools, but, you know, some of the the recommendations we get are from parents and saying, hey, how can we get this at our school? And I think that as a parent, too, you know, we talk a lot about the, the sports part of it, but we also, part of Project Adam is talking about like, you know, in any given day, about 20% of your community is in that school. So whether yeah. it's the teachers, whatever, like it might be a grandparent day, it could be a, an assembly or whatever it happens to be that... It might, you know, it could be the referee. It could be the the grandparent that came for Grandparents Day. And so, again, having those plans in place. But I would say for parents to think about when they go in their school, ask their schools, you know, hey, I mean, how many people are here on a day that, you know, are trained in CPR? Where, you know, where are your AEDs? Do you have AEDs? And Mm -hmm. same thing when your kids are playing sports, like you said, you know, we are conditioned to look in and we walk in a gym and we're automatically looking to see where the AED is. And I think that's a good thing for parents just to be aware as well. Like you may not know what you're supposed to do, but if there's a coach doing CPR and you're like, Hey, I remember them talking about AEDs Hmm. and they said there was one out in the gym, they can grab and bring it to them. So I think just, just getting in the habit of asking your coaches, if they're trained, if they're teachers or schools, you know, who was trained and who knows, you know, and where are their AEDs? Do you have them? And I think I would end on one more positive note on a really heavy, really frightening topic is we've talked about four athletes today. We've talked about Brenda Sun, we've talked about Damore Hamlin, Bronnie James, Keonti Johnson, and the con- common denominator for all four of them was that all four lived mm-hmm. because there was effective sudden cardiac response plans. All four of them had an AED that was readily available and deployed, and they had a timely and appropriate medical care. Yeah. And so while this is really frightening and, and, and nerve-wracking, you know, there are steps that we can do to increase the chances of, you know, having a happy ending. I think that's such good perspective. Uh, thank you both. I, I think, you know, I hope everyone listening today, if, if you have kids, uh, talk to your coaches, ask them what the training looks like, ask them where the AEDs are, stick close to your pediatrician, you know, make sure you have regular appointments. 
Um, yeah, thank you so much for being here. I, this is, again, such a, an incredibly important topic. And uh, I, I hope you guys come back on soon and maybe we can have uh, even more good stories to come out of your work. Yeah, thank you. It's a great thing to get awareness about. Thank you, both. Thank you. This episode was recorded on August 18th, 2023. The content of the Young and Healthy podcast is for informational and educational purposes. Our theme music was created by Stephen Grieco, and this episode was produced by Symphony Fair Harris. Thanks for listening. Follow Cincinnati Children's on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.